Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank. I'm the host of the show. This is a movie podcast where I discuss and review movies new and old. Uh, Today will be a new movie, the latest in the Ant-Man trilogy from Marvel. So I'll be reviewing Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Uh, Before I do, though, let me get you some information about the show. Again, the show is a movie podcast where I discuss and review movies new and old. You can get this show uh, audio-wise wherever you get podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Or if you Google Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast, you should be able to find it wherever uh, you get it. Or you can go directly to the website at LetMeBendYourEar.com. If you go to that website, every episode is there. And you can download it if you don't use a podcasting app. If you want to watch the show either live or on demand, the show is available in the following locations. First, if you can, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. If you go there, all the episodes are there. If you subscribe, you'll get notifications when I go live. If you ever happen to catch me live, you can interact. I've got the chat open all the time. So if you have a question about what I'm reviewing or a question about movies in general, feel free to engage in the chat. We can do that. You can also watch the show on the Facebook page, which is Let Me Bend Your Ear as well. Uh, You can see the shows there at your leisure as well. The show is also available on my Twitter page. The Twitter handle is at Bend Your Ear Pod. If you go to my profile, the latest episode will be the pinned tweet. But if you want to go to back episodes, you just click on the like column. And all on that particular area will be all the videos uh, previously recorded. And you can watch it there on Twitter as well. So you have that option. And I also have a link to the video episodes on the website. Again, letmebendyourear.com. If you want to email the show, the show email is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. And for once, I actually got it right on the first try because I always mess that up. I'll probably mess it up when I repeat it at the end. So stay tuned for that mistake as I always seem to make it. Uh, Again, that email is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. If you listen to the show, uh, wherever you listen to it, if you can rate and review, that'd be great. And give it five stars if you love it. Hopefully you do. The reason that we ask for that, I ask for that, any podcast asks for that, is the more ratings and review the show generates on a podcasting app, the higher that show appears in search results. So if anyone's looking for a new movie podcast to listen to, hopefully they'll find ours here and then they'll check it out. So if you could do that, I would really, really appreciate it. So again, just like and review, rate and review on your podcasting app of choice. Okay, let's get into the review of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. So, if you are aware or follow the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm assuming if you're listening or watching to this show, this is not the first entrance into Marvel, so I won't get too deep into that. Obviously, this is the third film in the Ant-Man trilogy, and all three of these films were directed by Peyton Reed. Uh, He's probably, for me, best known as directing the cheerleader comedy, um, I just forgot the name of the comedy. (laughs) It figures. So I get the email right and get the name of his other movie wrong. Um, it's the movie with... Uh, now I'm forgetting the name of the... Oh, Kirsten Dunst, the uh, the um, the cheerleader movie. Anyway, uh, the hilarious cheerleader movie that I can't remember the name of, so let me look it up, which is ridiculous. I've seen the movie so many times and don't remember the name. So at least I got the director's name right, though, so that's good. Uh, so anyway, Peyton Reed is director of this film. He's directed all three Ant-Man films. If you know the history of Ant-Man, uh, the original director was going to be Edgar Wright. And he left the film due to creative differences. 
And then Peyton Reed ultimately was hired to direct the film and uh, has done so for all three. Bring It On is the cheerleader movie. I can't believe I forgot that name. So anyway, the director of Bring It On. So uh, the first Ant-Man came out in 2015. Now the Ant-Man movies within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think are, are kind of unique in the sense that they were kind of, they're kind of their own movies within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They almost kind of have to occupy their own space, uh, which is good, which I like. I like, especially the first movie, which was basically a heist film, uh, you know, a comedic heist movie. Uh, the second movie, I, I have to rewatch. I don't remember much about the second movie, uh, but I remember I really enjoyed the first one. I haven't watched either one of them in a long time. And you don't really have to actually to watch this movie. Uh, it's more so really, you know, you know, the end game thing and where he, where he fits into those worlds where he's in these other movies with the Avengers. Uh, but, and there's some, there's, there's references to the other movies, but like I said, it's not vital that you watch the first two, but again, I'm sure most people that have seen this movie, the vast majority of them have already seen the first two. So anyway, as we get into this film, uh, this one opens up, uh, with a scene in the quantum realm. So if you do remember the first movies, you remember, uh, Janet Van Dyne played by Michelle Pfeiffer was trapped in the quantum realm for 30 years. So there's a sequence at the beginning of this film uh, that shows her in a kind of a battle uh, about to be killed. And she is saved by a, uh, an unknown stranger to her uh, that saves her life. And uh, then it cuts to the beginning of the film. And they'll relate to that a little bit more later. So, of course, you know, we have uh, Scott Lang, known as Ant-Man. And we have Hope Van Dyne as the Wasp. And in this film, you get uh, Cassie Lang. Scott's daughter in grown-up form played by uh, Catherine Newton. So as this movie opens, Ant-Man is, uh, you know, kind of basking in the success of, you know, helping to save the world. He's written a book and he's uh, just kind of enjoying the life, enjoying the life of a superhero, being adored, having fans, things like that. And they kind of put a comedic touch on that as well. Uh, but as the movie progresses, we come to find out that his daughter, uh, Cassie, is kind of a troublemaker, you know, it's been the jail a couple of times. Uh, she is a activist, so she believes in helping the little guy. And then there's some tension between Cassie and Scott because, you know, she wants to help people. She wants, and she wants Scott to go back to what he was doing, uh, which is helping people. And of course, you have the dynamic of, of of Scott being missing that time that he was in the blip, and her kind of being raised by herself and uh having that issue as well so there's 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 different conflicts going on between a teenage daughter and a dad and of course uh hope van dyne has been very successful running uh the pym corporation and um and of course you have hank pym uh played by michael douglas of course continuing his study uh with ants which was obviously the origin of of, of how we've uh, come to see that technology as it's used in these films so that's the basic setup of the film. So we come to find out that Cassie is uh, quite smart and has built a, as she describes, a two-way radio into the quantum realm. So basically how it works is she turns on the uh, transmitter, for lack of a better term, and it sends a signal into the quantum realm, and then she gets a signal back from the quantum realm, which she's very excited about because... She believes that they can research that area without the danger of having to go in there. So Janet Van Dyne uh, is f furious at this proposition. 
she is like you must turn that off this is dangerous and what what as the movie goes on we find out you know janet has not told everyone a lot of what went went down when she was there in the quantum realm and the things that occurred she's kind of kept it to herself uh, but she's adamant that that be turned off that there should be no contact no way to reach the inner the 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 quantum realm that all it is it's dangerous so of course um she unplugs the machine but something happens and they are all sucked into the quantum realm so scott and cassie and hope and janet and hank are all transformed into or are all transmitted transport transmitted transported in back into the quantum realm and this is where the majority of the movie takes place so again they get there they encounter a whole new world of people there beings there and hank and janet and hope are separated from cassie and scott so the movie is kind of two tracks it's kind of there's two groups in that realm trying to navigate to figure out how to get the heck out of there so you've got like i said you've got hank and janet and and um hope and you've got cassie and scott as well so they meet a bunch of characters uh there is and it's not a secret because it's on the poster of the movie you get a a pretty funny cameo from from bill murray as someone that uh janet knew while she was in the quantum realm and then you get the entrance and i know i'm not a comic book reader but i know a lot of people are, are excited to see modok uh, in the film and uh and i'm and I, and I know some people were unhappy about how that was done i don't know the history of that character but it's uh, in the movie it was funny to me i thought it was almost like comic relief but pretty funny uh in the way it was presented in the film so you get modok and then you get uh several other characters and like i said the bill murray cameo so again as i was saying the the real narrative thrust of the movie is is as they're navigating the quantum realm specifically with janet uh you start to they start to uncover you start to find out little by little what actually she was doing those 30 years that she was down there and there's some pretty significant things that take place and i'm not going to say too much because that uh uh not spoilers per se but that'll take away some of the enjoyment of the movie if you already know that part of it but you she starts to reveal you you find out that she's really kept a lot of things hidden uh, or, or just refuse to talk about it uh, with her family and due to the fact that they're back in there these things are kind of forced to come to the surface and eventually to be revealed so of course if you follow any of the the media regarding this movie before it opened uh, you know the the big deal here is if I'm correct this is the beginning of phase five of the of these of the Marvel Cinematic Universe so you get the introduction of Kang, who's played by Jonathan Majors, who's I think becoming a up and coming movie star. I know he's about to be in Creed three. Um, I think he was on that Lovecraft uh, television series. Actually, I've never seen him before this film. Uh, oh, let me take that back. I've seen him play this character or a variant of this character on the first season of Loki. So um, you're introduced to this character Kang, who turns out is the person that you see at the very beginning of this movie in the flashback sequence when janet was previously in the quantum realm and was rescued by by kang so what you find out after that flashback they kind of add to the story so what happens is they they kind of stay with each other and he has a ship that can get him back to where he needs to be uh 
So there's a core that was damaged that needs to be repaired to power the ship. So they spend a very long time trying to figure out a way to do that, Janet and Kang. So once they get the core operated and they're about to insert it to get the ship running again, Janet touches the core and has a vision or touches the ship and has a vision of who Kang really is. And she finds out that he's killed millions and millions of people, that he's a very bad person. So, of course, she attempts she attempts to destroy the core because she doesn't want him to get away. He offers her a deal. If you help me, I'll send you back to where you belong so you can be with your daughter, Hope. So, when she finds out who he is, of course, she refuses to do that and destroys the core and Kang is stuck there. And, of course, from the previous events of the previous movies, you know that, that Janet gets rescued by Hank. And she's out of the quantum realm, and then she ends up back in here in this film. So Kang the Conqueror, basically, we find out, has been exiled to this place, to the quantum realm, uh, because of the things that he's done. So the, the third act, the last part, the drive of the movie is his attempt to get out, to get the core repaired, and he needs Scott's, Ant-Man's help to do it. And that's the main thrust of the third act of the film. So as far as the performances are concerned, like I said, Paul Rudd's always a likable presence. He's, he's great as Scott. He's done this character, and he's just a good actor. Uh, you have Evangeline Lilly as, 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 as Hope. Uh, she's fine. She's good. Uh, I love Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer's interaction with each other, their characters, and uh, it's kind of great. It, it, and Janet kind of is almost the main part of this movie because the things that she knows about the, the quantum realm, the things that she's done while she was there the previous time are some of the most interesting aspects of the story. And when, as you find out what she's done, uh, it's uh, it drives the narrative. Um, now, as far as Kang, uh, Jonathan Major's performance, I think it's good. I've heard that it's phenomenal. I, I think he's a very good actor. I, well, I guess when I saw this movie, though, it's just part of it is you don't see him really until almost an hour in. Uh, so he's not a constant presence throughout the film. Uh, it's almost, I think, and I didn't time it, but I think it's about an hour in. It's so almost halfway through the movie. You don't see Kang. And when he shows up, it's 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 fine. And he's good. And I think he's good in his scenes. I think what's happening here is, and I think this is what you know hurts the movie, is it's it's an introduction to Kang. And that's fine. And, and I thought it was a decent introduction i didn't think it was an outstanding introduction of a bad guy now you know obviously if you follow this stuff you know that he's going to be the major villain in this film and uh i think it was a good setup for it uh what i think it's a it's a it's funny because it's a it's a double-edged sword with me with this review and this movie as well so i think the last couple of marvel films in this phase have been okay to disappointing so dr strange which i didn't review for the podcast is awful to me i think it's terrible the second one is terrible it's it's one of the worst ones i've ever seen thor love and thunder i enjoyed i didn't enjoy it as much as ragnarok but i did like it but a lot of people didn't like that movie either uh so the the issue which i always feared with with this phase of marvel was going to be after endgame it was going to be tough to continue that momentum when you finish that big story i always was afraid that there was going to be an issue with the first couple of movies that came out in the next phase uh, until they established who the big bad villain was going to be which they tried to do here which they i think 
halfway successfully do. I mean, they introduced the character, and I think that's what kind of hurts this movie from making this movie be better. And I enjoy the film. I'll give you my Van Gogh review shortly. But I think there is it is hampered by the fact that it's almost a placeholder and that it's basically a setup to get Kang going. And I thought it was okay. It wasn't terrible, but I thought it could have been more dynamic to me. I was expecting more dynamic. I don't know of a performance. I think he's good. Uh, but I was expecting more of that intro- big introduction to really showing... Uh, his power or maybe that's coming in the next few movies i know the next one in the gate i think is guardians of the galaxy volume three and i don't know what role or non-role kang is in or not so i don't know and we'll find out in a couple of months when it comes out but i do think the introduction this movie is 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 a setup movie and, and when you get and in the marvel cinematic universe in my experience with the movies that are not as good as some of the other ones and when you have a setup movie as you're weaving the larger story, a lot of times that hurts that particular movie. It doesn't mean it makes the movie bad. It just I think it makes I think it hampers the the prospect of the movie being a great one uh, when you're trying to do that. Because if you take Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which turned out to be really good, even obviously in spite of the tragic death of, of Chadwick Boseman, what was so great about that movie was it because of his death, it forced the movie to change into a movie about taking over leadership, about grief, about things that uh, are very important and made give the gave the movie a deeper a deeper meaning. So for me, uh, that was great. But with Ant Man, I think because it's setting up this new phase, I think it hurts it a little bit. But again, I enjoyed the film. Now I know uh, I just you know this film this film has gotten a low Rotten Tomato score. Now I don't know if it's a low critic score and a low audience score. I didn't look deep into that or if it's low critics, high audience, vice versa. I enjoyed the film. I thought the film was was entertaining. It was visually interesting. It was kind of bonkers, which it I think it needed to be because I think had it not had those elements in it, then I think this movie would have been a lot worse and I would have given it a lot more of a negative review. I know a lot of people have given it a negative review, I think including my oldest son. Is not a big fan of it. Didn't think it was very good. Um, is it classic Marvel? No, it's not a classic movie. Um, is it better than the first Ant Man? No, but it's it's it is what I will give it credit for. It's 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 trying to do something big. It's definitely big. Now for the Ant Man story, maybe that's not the best way to go because it was always kind of like I said earlier, carved out his own little space in the Marvel universe, kind of its own unique comedic style. So obviously, you get a lot of the comedy here. Maybe not. Not as much as you did in the first Ant-Man or even the second one. Uh, but you do get it here. And uh, like I said, the acting is good all the way around. Uh, and it, you know, it's it, for me, it was a fun movie. I took my son to see it, my nine-year-old. He enjoyed it a lot. And uh, I did as well. I enjoyed it. And my review of it, I have to say, giving it out of uh, five Van Goghs, I'm going to go ahead and give it three and a half Van Goghs. So on that scale, it's a mild recommendation. Uh, I don't... And it's funny because I don't really have anything that I disliked about the movie. Um, so if you ask, well, why are you only giving it three and a half? I think there's nothing wrong. There's nothing that I disliked about the film. As I said a couple of minutes ago, I do think the 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 introduction of Kang could have been more impactful uh, for me. And like I said, it's not a, it's not because of the actor. It's because of what they had the story had him do. Uh, I get the kind of the motivation of it. it it's 
when you're comparing the introduction of Kang to the introduction of Thanos in the previous incarnation, it's night and day. I mean, you see Thanos, now Thanos is an imposing figure, but the way they brought him in, like gangbusters, I mean, they teased it throughout, but when you finally get to see Thanos in all his glory, it's pretty impactful. And I think here with Kang, it's not as impactful as I thought it should be, considering he is going to be the main villain leading up to the uh, the two Avengers movies that are coming out in a couple of years. So um, that's my thought on that. So I'm going to give Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania three and a half fan goes out of five. Like I said, I know some people are trashing the movie. It's definitely not a bad movie. Uh, it's I thought it was a decent movie. And I give it a mild recommendation. So I lean towards checking it out more than avoiding it. Uh, and like I said, it's not the best Marvel movie. It's not even the best Ant-Man movie. But it does, like I said, it's different. It's visually interesting. It kept me entertained. Uh, there wasn't any part that I thought dragged. So that for me anyway, personally watching it, I thought it was a decent movie. And for me, in this phase, going into hopefully what will be more you know, impactful movies with Kang as the bad guy, uh, I this was a good start. And hopefully it'll get better from here. But like I said, it, it you know it, it it justified his existence for me, uh, being in this and and being this film having a third Ant Man film. Like I said, unlike Doctor Strange, which to me, and people may disagree, and feel free to let me know. I thought Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness was horrible. I thought it was it was one of the worst ones I've seen in a long time, and I have not seen Eternals. And I know some people love it, a lot of people don't. Uh, but it it Doctor Strange was bad, so. Again, this movie is definitely not that. This movie is much better than Doctor Strange. And like I said, I would give this one a, a recommendation. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania directed by Peyton Reed. Three and a half fan goes out of five. Now, if you want to stop, uh, I'm going to give... There's two end credit sequences that I'm going to explain. I don't know them that well, uh, but I'm just going to describe them to you. So if you don't want to hear that, you want to wait till you watch the movie, then just you know stop it here and you know click it back in like two minutes. Put the show back on. Fast forward, you can do that. So the first end credit sequence is you see variants of Kang. One looks like an Egyptian. One is dressed in some other garb that I'm not sure of. And I forgot what the third one is dressed. So basically, the three of them are having a conversation about uh, the end of the film. So I won't give away the end of the film, what happens uh, with Kang and that battle at the end. But they talk about that. And uh, obviously, there are variants. If you've seen Loki season one, the Kang character was not Kang in that, but it's the same actor, Jonathan Majors, and he's playing a variant in the world of Loki as well, season one. So basically it leads into a cavern, almost like a huge stadium type situation. And there's a bunch of Kangs, for lack of a better term, thousands of them, all played by Jonathan Majors, just thousands of them in a room just going bananas. That's End sequence number one. So obviously that there is a there is a army of them that they have at their disposal uh, to do whatever it is they're going to do. The second post credit sequence is Loki and Owen Wilson's character. I forgot the, the 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 guy that works at the company that oversees all the timelines. If you've seen Loki season one, if you haven't, you won't know what I'm talking about. But the second one is set like almost in the 1800s because you see people in top hats and they you see the fashions of the day and someone is speaking so they're sitting and looking at someone at a, on stage talking about manipulating time and it turns out that character on the stage is Kang and uh, Loki and Owen Wilson's character have this conversation so that second end credit sequence is obviously leading into Loki season 2 which I think is premiering this in a few months so this movie feeds into Loki 
and maybe with Loki you'll get more of the uh, of the the story development of the history of Kang. So those are the two end credit sequence in there uh, for Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. So again, I'm giving the movie three and a half Van Goghs out of five. Like I said, a mild recommendation. Check it out. It was a fun movie in the theater. Like I said, I know the movie's been lowly rated on Rotten Tomatoes. Like I said, I thought it was a decent film. Uh, again, if you want to listen to the show, please listen wherever you get your podcast. Uh, you can find the show anywhere. Uh, write and review whatever podcasting app you listen on. I'd appreciate it. If you don't have a podcasting app, again, you can go to the website, letmebendyourear.com. You can download all the episodes there and listen at your leisure. And again, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can watch the show there, Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. Please subscribe and you'll get notifications when I go live. You can watch the show on the Facebook page, Let Me Bend Your Ear. And you can also watch the show on my Twitter page, which is at Bend Your Ear Pod. The most recent episode will be pinned to my profile, and all the back episodes are on the like column if you click on that, and you can pick whatever episode you want uh, if there's a particular movie you're interested in hearing my take on. So again, I want to thank everybody for listening and thank everybody for watching. I really appreciate the downloads, and I appreciate the feedback. If you want to email the show, the email is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. And again, hope everybody has a fantastic day. Take care, and I will be seeing you soon.